0: Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. Every weekday, we'll keep you up to date on the most important elements of this historic impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. A little later on, we'll be talking to Sam Vinograd, CNN's National Security Analyst. But first, I am joined again by my colleague Athena Jones, CNN's National Correspondent. Athena, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, David. Good to be here. Uh, So I wanted to do a little politics with you first uh, before we get into some of the uh, more substantive points of what's going on uh, with the entire Ukraine situation. The Republicans are not in lockstep right now in their response. They're a little all over the map. We were talking about that uh, on Friday. But what I found intriguing today is that we saw two more Republicans come out, uh, Senator Susan Collins of Maine, Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, uh, joining their other colleagues, Ben Sasse uh, and Mitt Romney, who have been out there saying, what the president did here is wrong. Now, none of them are saying, Bring me articles of impeachment. I'm ready to vote to convict the president. Obviously, they're not they're not saying that, but they are doing something different than any other one of their other 49 colleagues in the conference in the Senate, which is they are saying on the record, and I think for history's sake, Mm -hmm. uh, that what they have observed the president to do here, his call on Ukraine and China to interfere in the U.S. election to help dig up dirt on his potential political opponent is wrong. Now, the fact that that's breaking news, Athena, is also mind-boggling. Like that should be just like the price of admission to be an elected official in America.
1: Well, it should be, but but that's not the world we're living in right now. You have Republicans. This is the Republican Party that is. Owned and controlled by President Trump right now, and so you have anyone who's facing an election coming down the pike, like Susan Collins uh, of Maine, who doesn't want to, to anger their base, and that's why you're seeing this little dance being played out. Yes, what he did was wrong. They they, they, they say I'm not going to even try to bother to argue that it was okay, just like the president is doing. No, it was wrong. However, even if it was wrong, it doesn't mean uh, that we should go as far as Democrats
0: are going. So and, they can sort of have it both ways. And I, so I want to I want listeners to hear a little bit of of, of the dance that Athena is talking about, because, uh, yes, Collins came out and and she said uh, that it was totally inappropriate what the president said about inviting China into interfering in the election in the South Lawn. But she also went after the Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, straight out of Republican talking points. Here's Susan Collins.
1: I'm a bit concerned about the fact that the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, misrepresented and misled people about what was in the transcript of the call between the president and the the president of the United States and the president of Ukraine. So I hope this will be done with the seriousness um, that any impeachment proceeding
0: deserves. So I'm not defending what Adam Schiff did. I got to tell you, when I was watching the hearing, having read the rough transcript of the call and he started his performance and interpretation of of what was exchanged on that call between Trump and Zelensky, my head sort of snapped. And I was like, Wait, what is he doing? What is he? Re-? So I'm not I'm not suggesting. But I just think it gets so perfectly to the dance you're describing um, the. Even as these Senators try to present little cracks, there's only so far they want to go against the president
1: absolutely. And, you know, of course, this is one of the things that President Trump has been harping on. There are a lot of excuses and explanations he's given, but one of the things he's been very angry about is this idea that that uh, that uh, Adam Schiff, the Congressman Schiff, made up the phone call. Now, it's kind of a distraction, obviously, because we've seen the transcript. We've heard the president use his own words to say to admit to what he already asked. But still, this shows that Democrats have to be careful in their in their in, in proceeding through this. They really can't afford to to put a foot wrong. And one might argue that that wasn't such a great idea for Adam Schiff to, to start off that way.
0: It also shows, uh, as you note, know, because it is a bit of a distraction. We all do have the rough transcript uh, that. Republicans are grasping at, at the straws. ability to push back they, a little bit of, of trying to figure this out. In fact, one of the new lines from Republicans this weekend was that when the president said on the South Lawn that he would like China to investigate the Bidens, that that was just a joke. Now, I didn't see any bit of joking when the president said that on the South Lawn, but that did not stop uh, Marco Rubio or Roy Blunt or others from saying they didn't really take that as a serious request.
1: Right. Senator Rubio said uh, he's just trying to poke you, you guys in the press. That's not a real request. Uh, Jim Jordan, uh, Congressman Jordan, also a big defender of the president, uh, said something similar on one of the Sunday shows over the weekend. And it would it would be funny if it weren't so serious. The idea that the excuse is or the explanation is the president was just joking. We made a lot of that of that uh, uh, sort of line we heard during the campaign and up until now, which is that the president's supporters take him seriously, the press takes him literally. But now the G- these GOP members of the of the Republican Party are asking that we ignore him or, or not take him, not listen to what he's saying. It kind of doesn't make sense on its face.
0: So then I, I want to get your sense, Athena, of. Where are Republicans right now? We are starting to see some of these cracks, but are they meaningful cracks? Is this is this a different moment in time for Trump's Republican Party than we've seen before or no? I don't think so
1: quite yet. I mean, we're talking about a very small number of people who have even come out and said, "Look, I'm going to go ahead and say what we all, would many people agree, this was wrong of him to do. This this was this was inappropriate. He crossed a line here." But it's still only a very small number of people, and none of them are saying, "And you know, let's go impeach him." I'm waiting for the articles of impeachment to vote on right now. Let, let's get to it. They're, right. they're, they may be, as you mentioned earlier, kind of thinking about history and whether they're going to come down on the right side of history, and so they want to say, "Look." We all know this is not okay uh, for him to ask uh, uh, Russia. Sorry, ask Ukraine and China to investigate the opponent.
0: Russia was the last election he asked them to. Yes, uh, yeah. this, this, Russia has a lot to do with all of this as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, let me turn to Joe Biden for a moment, uh, just to get your. Uh, take on what we saw over the weekend he put out an op-ed in the washington Mm -hmm. post that basically echoed the speech that he gave in nevada last week pushing back Uh, he also uh conveyed to donors at a gathering over the weekend the campaign uh had uh that he's not going anywhere and that uh his family is not going to be destroyed by donald trump uh on this at all uh but we did see at the end of last week when asked uh, point blank if indeed there was a conflict of interest to have his son working for a foreign energy company when he was serving as vice president and he just would not answer that question. He just said that is he got a bit angry with the reporter and said, focus on the problem here. Uh, Is he going to be able to maintain that answer, do you think, or will he eventually have to engage on the actual substance of this? Because some of his Democratic opponents, O'Rourke over the weekend, Klobuchar over the weekend, uh, said – in their administrations, the child of a vice president or their own children would not be allowed to serve in such capacities. I think he's going to have to engage on this. I mean, this is clearly a
1: question he doesn't really want to answer. This is, this is a, an issue he struggles with because he's talking about his family's privacy. He's talking about his his son who, who's had troubles over the years. And it, it's clearly very obvious. You saw in his reaction to the reporters confronting him that he wasn't really ready to answer it. He needs to be ready to answer that question because a lot of folks are going to are going to wonder why was it a good idea to have your son join the board of this company while you're in the administration? That sounds odd and a little sketchy to a lot of folks, even if there's no, there was no wrongdoing, no, no proof of any sort of wrongdoing. It's still the kind of thing that makes you scratch your head. And so he has to,
0: to realize that and come up with a good answer. Yeah, right now the Biden campaign seems to be just uh – there's no evidence of wrongdoing. Every journalist or organization says that, d- done with that. And they don't want to acknowledge that there is an ethics question here uh, that should be answered, at least as a candidate for president going forward. Athena, say right there. Uh, coming up next, we've got former senior advisor uh, to the National Security Advisor, Sam Vinegrad. She'll be with us, but first, a quick break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Athena and I are now joined by Sam Vinogran. She is a uh, national security analyst for CNN and the former senior advisor to the national security advisor uh, at the White House uh, in the Obama years. Uh, Sam, my first question to you is one of the big headlines out of the weekend and into Monday morning was uh, that there is a second whistleblower, perhaps not a, a formal complaint filed, but somebody with direct knowledge, perhaps on the call on July 25th, unlike the initial whistleblower who was collecting information uh, told to him about the call. um, Does that matter since we have the transcript if we have someone with more direct knowledge or not? Is that is that a key development? It
2: certainly is, because it's a witness. What we're seeing right now is a case being built. We have to remember the first whistleblower complaint did not just focus on that July 25th call. It focused on the call. It focused on the cover up after the call on uh, in which the White House tried to hide the readout of that meeting on a class an overly classified system. And it also that whistleblower complaint also spoke to activities that senior administration officials took in the State Department and elsewhere, again, to try to cover up evidence of a crime and engage in uh, illicit activities or potentially illicit activities. So we may have another witness Come forward in the form of a whistleblower, and my gut is, David, as the Inspector General of the intelligence community continues his work, because let's remember that first whistleblower complaint was based on a preliminary investigation over 14 days of the first whistleblower. There is now an ongoing investigation by the Inspector General of the intelligence community in which the Inspector General is speaking with different people that may have been involved in that original complaint. This
0: second whistleblower seems to be part of that. It certainly seems to
2: be. So as that investigation continues, we. may see more whistleblowers make protected disclosures as part of the uh, IG's investigation, or we may see more whistleblowers, frankly, inspired by what the first whistleblower did and thinking to themselves, this person came forward, I need to as well. It's my duty. I'm a career intelligence officer or what have you. So I, I think we may see more whistleblowers. One of my questions
1: for you goes back to what we were talking about with the latest uh, round of explanations or excuses we're hearing from Republicans like Marco Rubio, this idea that the president wasn't serious, that he was joking, that he was poking the press. From a national security standpoint, how does this this kind of situation, this kind of explanation impact our relations with other countries, particularly an adversary
2: like China? Does China think that Trump is joking? I mean, Certainly not. China was listening. Russia was listening. God knows what other countries were listening. And, you know, I would be happy to send Senator Rubio a copy of the Mueller report, which very clearly states that when Donald Trump said, uh, Russia, go find Hillary Clinton's emails, the Russians hacked into a server that previously had not been compromised to, guess what, find those emails. That With, day. That day. So there, there, there is certainly a, a track record of Trump making statements and foreign powers intent on our elections following through on them. We should remind people, China has been uh, identified by the intelligence community as one of the countries, guess what, intent on attacking our 2020 election. So Trump was asking one of our attackers to attack us by investigating Biden and what have you. But the broader macro point is President Trump just very publicly told anybody that was listening – what he's looking for and what the price is of doing business with him. So you could see a whole host of malign actors, quote unquote, investigate Biden and try to get dirt on Biden just so that they can manipulate the president and our allies, by the way, who we talk less about because the president doesn't engage with them as much. Can you imagine that they want to work with us on election security right now? Secretary Pompeo announced last week after putting more sanctions on Russia that we won't tolerate any interference in our elections. And it's like, okay, we won't tolerate interference in our elections. Unless President Trump asks, that doesn't quite work out when we're trying to build security relationships with
0: other countries. I, you just did this, Sam, and in the answer you just gave, but I, I just want more broadly for our listeners, if you could just speak to how does this call from the president to have foreign countries play in our elections? How how does this actually put the national security of the United States? At risk.
2: Well, for one, it's illegal. You can't. Uh, it's a campaign finance violation to solicit a foreign contribution to a campaign, whether it be money, material, or what have you. And that was something that was addressed in the uh, Mueller report. In fact, in terms of how it compromises our national security, look, I never thought that an election security threat matrix would have to include the president of the United States. But when President Trump makes these kind of statements, what he is doing is encouraging other countries to hack into uh, the material and uh, and assets, let's say, of campaign rivals. Again, we saw that with Hillary Clinton. We could see that happen with Joe Biden. He is encouraging other countries to engage in information warfare when it comes to his political rivals. I'm going to bet a lot of money, David, that Russian uh, information warriors, trolls and bots are retweeting the Biden is corrupt uh, stuff Nonstop. We know that Russia engaged in information warfare in the 2016 campaign, 2018 midterms, and they're most likely doing so now. He is inviting foreign powers to attack an American and to attack our democracy. So, so
0: it is not it, – it's not just um – Innocently collecting opposition research. I mean, there is. It's not there when is it's a, from a foreign actor. Exactly. That's, that, that, is that is the that substantial that is a big difference. difference, and I, I, I think that gets lost all the time in this conversation. Well, two things. One, we have to
1: remember also that the the president. Talked about Elizabeth Warren in a phone call with China uh, some time back, and so that's another way of signaling, maybe not just Joe Biden. Here's another person that maybe you could uh, uh, get some information from for me, even if he didn't explicitly say so. My question is: for, I wanted you to paint the picture for us for those who are sa- or hearing the president say this is this is okay. I did nothing wrong, or these. these uh, if this kind of thing is normalized. If the president and those defending him are right, and there's nothing wrong with asking Ukraine or China or whoever to investigate a political opponent, Talk about what that could lead to, what it would mean for the next election and the ones after that and so on, and what it means for the way U.S. conducts foreign policy, the way other leaders will view the U.S.
2: Well, for starters, it means that Americans aren't deciding the fate of American elections. Part of the reason we have this law against foreign contributions to campaigns is because it really would distort and uh, exploit the whole concept that Americans are in charge of electing their next president. You have uh, foreign powers mudding the, the waters. That's number one. Number two, from a national security perspective, we would be actively soliciting foreign powers playing in the United States. Again, we know that Russia, China and Iran have highly advanced cyber operations. We are inviting them to engage in cyber attacks against our country. And on the information warfare uh, point again, we're asking the countries that are so good at information warfare to continue to manipulate what Americans believe is truth. So everything that the election security team has been fighting against, President Trump is inviting. And that has implications for us today and for elections and national security down the road.
0: What's amazing to me is that we see on a day like today, uh, there is uh, quite a bit of almost unanimity in Republicans pushing back on the president's uh, decision to hand uh the Kurds over to Turkey in the battle against ISIS and that the U.S. pulls out of Syria. Mitch McConnell brushes back the president on that kind of national security problem. But just listening to you spell out the actual national security threat that exists with election security and that Republicans don't, that Mitch McConnell is not equally on board with the desire to brush back the president on that is astounding. Athena, before we go, what are we looking ahead to tomorrow in this story? What is going to unfold?
1: Well, the big news tomorrow is that the... the, uh, Ambassador Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, is going to be testifying before Congress about all of this. Of course, he is a key player. Uh, we saw he was one of the people who was engaged in all those text messages uh, with Kurt Volker, uh, the envoy to the Ukraine, uh, and with Rudy Giuliani and, and people from uh, the Ukraine president's
0: uh, staff. Yeah. So. It's gonna big, be interesting if Trump him. donor who was the one that saying hey we should take this offline or uh, call me so it'll be interesting to hear uh, what comes out of uh, his uh, trip to Capitol Hill uh, Sam Vinegrad, Athena Jones, thank you both so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. This is a story with a new set of revelations every few hours, it seems. So we'll have a new episode every weeknight to help you make sense of it all. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, would you please do me a favor? Leave us a rating or a comment. Uh, it helps people find the show. I didn't mean to use that expression. Do me a favor. That does it for this edition of the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.